Hey, late nighters. Welcome to Late Night with White. I'm your host, C.D. White, and I am very, very happy to be back. Um, recording late at night, speaking with you guys, and just sharing my favorite thing in the whole world, aside from my kids and family and all that, literature. And, um, of course, since we last uh, met, a lot has happened. Congress has convened, and is apparently being ran by the inmates, and not only the inmates, but the dumbest, wackiest inmates. So it's going to be quite a shit show, but we're going to stay tuned for it. Um, Elon Musk lost more wealth um, than probably has ever happened in history. And I'm not going to beat that horse to death, but meh. And um, an incel turned abductionist and um, pimp, Tate was undone by his communication with a child. Well, no, I think she's 20 now, with a young girl, and is now facing charges for his crimes against women. I just wanna say that as a lit head, we have to be consumers of truth, you know, reading, deep diving, reading those deeper articles that you find in something like The New Yorker or the New York Times or, you know, on whatever page you, you find your information. But we also need to be looking at causality. Causality. The misogyny that's out there, um, maybe post-Clinton, really that's always been there, this undercurrent of, you know, the hatred for the female, um, feeling that female liberation often comes at the, the cost of male presence and wholeness, which I don't see why that is so, but um, the incel movement and the misogynistic movements, I mean, even our last president was accused of, you know, rape. Uh, Biden is not without accusations. There is this stain between men and women that is hard to wash out, but you know, Tate has millions of followers and young men. And this is what's concerning to me because um, he's been accused of branding women, forcing them to have, you know, sex for uh, to film and to sell and to reproduce. Um, it's quite disgusting. And so when we think about how we're raising young boys, the... Defeat of Roe, the un, the undoing of Roe, and you know there are other cases about trans and LGBTQ rights. These aren't, there aren't, they aren't musings. They aren't um, missteps. They're calculated. They're well wrought. The incel movement has been growing for quite a while. If it can be said to ever have a birth, you know, men and women have existed and coexisted for quite a while. So I just, those of us who are escapists, if you if you read a lot, you're also reading to escape and you're choosing and picking very carefully how you escape and where you go on your escape journeys. We just need to be very mindful 
of causality. And I think reading literature and being well-read helps us understand the historical um, implications of what what seems to be giving birth now, but really was a long time coming. A long time coming. And of course, pimping, prostitution, um, the mishandling and the monetizing of the female body is nothing new. I think they call it the world's oldest profession for that reason. And then I was also thinking about Jeffrey Dahmer, who has been in the public imagination because of the series on him um, on Netflix, which I haven't watched. And to be totally transparent, probably won't because it is true life horror that I'm not consuming so much of anymore. And because um, the consumption, and I say that with a double entendre and a pun, I guess unintentionally intended, the consumption of black male bodies and boys of color um, went on for as long as it did precisely because they were men of color and because they were gay. And I have a hard time with us as uh, a culture seeking to understand it, to live it, to watch it. Excuse me, I'm taking a drink. Um without talking about some of the things we've talked about on this podcast, the serial killers coming out of World War Two and One, the predation of uh, white supremacy onto black bodies, and uh, the fact that he got away with it so long, precisely because cops are like, meh, gay men, meh. So, um, I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> but my podcast has nothing to do with Jeffrey Dahmer or anything like that. I really want to talk to you tonight about mysteries. I love a good mystery, particularly detective mysteries. But mysteries come in all types of, um, you know, wants and even genres. You know, you have true life and, you know, I like sometimes watching you know, vanishings. People just, they go to a park and they're never seen again. But like I said, that kind of true life horror is more difficult for me to consume than fictional horror. So tonight, I just want to spend some time with you sharing some great mysteries out there. You're going to need to escape. It's cold. Um, prayers go out to Georgia and Alabama. We just had a series of tornadoes and really extremely bad weather and people have died and lost their lives or their property um, behind these winter storms. And so we need these books to get away from what is often very real, horrible things happening around us. And if you're like me, literature is a good way to escape. You got your pina coladas, you got your literature. So, and guys, this genre is so beautiful and so large that I really had to narrow my focus and just kind of, you know, I wanted to share things that I had particularly enjoyed, but I also want to share, you know, be more well-rounded about the canon as it exists and also push and advocate for new voices and new people on the scene, relatively new. I mean, um, you know, not as well known as some of the um, 
the names on the list and perhaps not cover all the great names that could have been mentioned so that we can parse some new people. But guess what? Google is out there. There's no reason to be ignorant. After you listen to the podcast, go and Google some of these authors and that'll lead you to more authors. Um, and you can search by, you know, is it Detective Blair? Is it True Life? Those types of things. So I have a plethora and I'm kind of excited of good mystery stories to share with you. Alert. Miss White considers herself a writer of detective fiction. So this is why I probably I'm just giddy with joy at being able to share this. And it wasn't always so. I started out as a very young person wanting to be the next Stephen King. I wanted to scare people and horrify people. And then, of course, uh, as I got older and my consciousness and consciousness grew, I wanted to be like a Toni Morrison or Alice Walker or a Rita Dove. I wanted to be seminal and canonized. And now that I'm older, (laughs) I just want to be read, right? But I also love this genre and the character that I write, just to put it out there, her name is Shirley McQueen and she's tough and she's brainy and she's fragile and she's driven to solve mysteries because it brings wholeness and healing. Well, not wholeness, but it brings healing to those families that are impacted um, by just the happenstance of you know, disappearance, murder, violence, uh, encounters that are random that permeate life, you know, changes lives. So, um, but I also consider myself and would love to someday be seminal and canonized with other works that I've written. And I still like horror. I still love to write a good horror story. So maybe I am more like Stephen King than I let on because he too is kind of like one of those jacks of all trades and I really believe most authors uh genre cross because you're thinking a thinking person is typically not stuck in one rut but I want to begin tonight by advocating for suggesting and encouraging you to read an 1841 work by my very favorite Edgar Allan Poe entitled Murder in the Rue Morgue. Now, this is considered by many to be the first modern detective story. So think about that. Before Sherlock, before Agatha, before Stephen King, before Straw, before Caleb Carr, before Gar Anthony Haywood, Poe. This is what I mean, because there is a, a intersectionality between detective, horror, mystery, right? and then literature because no one's going to accuse Poe of being a bad writer or um, an underwhelming writer. He is, you know, mystic in his writing and in his proclivity. And so um, you can find this one. It's in the public domain, so you should be able to find a PDF. I don't want to give too much away, but it's a really good starting point especially if you don't really read detective fiction for your journey with us into this genre. The next one I want to recommend is Devil in a Blue Dress by Walter Mosley. Now, 
Yes, you've watched the Denzel Washington movie. Forget the movie. I'm a, I, you know, I'm a lit head, so I'm book first, then movie. Sometimes you can't help it. The movie comes first, and then you are aware of the author and the book. I get that. But still, go and read Devil in a Blue Dress. I love Easy Rollins. Um, he is coming out of WW2, the GI Bill, uh, California, where African Americans are struggling, but still don't have proper um, police protection, basically. And so he's kind of like that old school equalizer. He's a place, he's a person to whom African Americans at this time could go and get some help and redress for the very real wrongs that they're suffering in this community. So easy is both outside the law, but working to bring justice to people who are, I'm going to use this phrase again, I love it, over-policed and under-protected. Over-policed and under-protected. Next, I'm going to recommend Dorothy Sayers, and this is 1990, Strong Poison. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Walter Mosley's uh, Easy Rollins is 1990. Strong Poison by Dorsey Sayers is 1930. So a lot of these books and a lot of this fictional work that I'm going to be talking about today is 30s, late 30s. Remember, it's coming after WW1. It's coming as uh, urbanization and grittiness and um, Hollywood is demanding and, and greedy for such stories. So authors are finding themselves being able to be more edgy, more dark, more um, violent and grim in their work. And so this is, all, and then of course we have the depression, the Dust Bowl, um, banks failing, suicide. People needed an escape and a hero. The detective is kind of an anti-hero in that He's not a sanctioned lawman. Sherlock Holmes, and this is, of course, prior to 1930, but he's not a sanctioned lawman. Detectives are working outside of the law, typically, right? They have their PI license. They have their um, fallen from the ranks of police, you know, of um, law enforcement. And so working in tangent with it. But um, Strong Poison, I think, would be a good book for you to start with as well. Let's bring it a little bit forth, uh, more forward to the 1980s and Scott Toro's Presumed Innocent. Now, all of these characters, uh, Randy Savage, you will revisit again and again if you read more than one of Toro's works. But I found Presumed Innocent, and I've read it several times because it's just that well-written. The mystery is just that hidden but in plain sight, and I don't want to give it away. And of course, you probably have seen the movie with Harrison Ford, um, and I think Greta Scotchy, that man, it has a great cast of characters because it's also detailing the mechanizations of um, an urban city. And that's what, make, that's what makes uh, detective fiction wonderful. You get this gritty urban cityscape to also get lost in. Um, in conjunction with the murder mystery. So a young lady is murdered. Um, a, a law enforcement person is found uh, to be involved and has to go through the whole process of being tried. So 
Wonderful, Presumed Innocent by Scott Turrell. Another one that I read and really enjoyed because of its sort of Poe-like, uh, Arthur Conan Doyle-like leaning on science was The Alienist by Caleb Carr. So if you're one of those people you like forensic files, you like um, the deconstruction of crime scenes and the early scientific development of fingerprints and psychoanalysis and, you know, even profiling, then you're going to love The Alienist. I believe, and forgive me, it's been probably 15 years since I've read it, set in turn early 19th century America. And, well, when you Google it, you'll find out that uh, the alien alienist is a queer term for someone working with forensics. But this is a great, and it's 1994, The Alienist. Another great read um, from 1934 is Murder on the Orient Express. Of course, you've heard it. You probably have seen the movie by Agatha Christie. Now, um, Agatha Christie looms large in the, in the canon. All of her detectives are quirky, unusual, smart. Um, her writing is not as gritty as some. It's sort of like a clean mystery. It's happening with the upper crust, um, more likely than not. So you get these clean mysteries where we get a peek inside high society and all of their underbelly um, darkness, right? So it's not going to be a lot of blood and gore and, you know, beating mean streets and encountering prostitutes and broken cops and drugs and, you know, all that. But it's going to take you into the broken world of high society, which in its way is far, it's far more gripping as a story because these are people that we don't rub elbows with, we don't understand, and that we, we hold in esteem. We can't help it. You know, with money comes status. And she does a good job of kind of bringing them down. Finally, we get to Sherlock Holmes, Study in Scarlet. Now, I must say that I've watched almost every iteration of Sherlock. The black and whites with Basil Rathbone. Um, this one even kind of contemporary with that was another uh, British actor whose name, I'm sorry, I can't recall. You can watch him on YouTube um, to, you know, Tom Baker plays Sherlock. Sherlock is a similar character. I think a lot of actors want to get their teeth into. And I really like Cumberbatch's Sherlock. Because I think Cumberbatch captures Sherlock's brainiac sexiness and fully fully evolvedness in the modern era that I just find lovely. And I love the Watson as played by, we call him the one token white guy. Um, because he's not so like ass kissy with Sherlock. He has his own trauma, but he's also like Sherlock Ford. He's also smart. He's a man of medicine. He's also a writer. And he's, of course, the one that's um, writing these tales for us to read. So it's a partnership, which is kind of unusual in detective fiction, but um, 
I do like, and I must say, I do like every iteration. I really do. Um, and of course, they've got some floating around on Netflix with the Enola, um, the, the sister of the Holmes boys. So, you know, it's a large canon in and of itself. And um, I love it. I love when they take these old stories. And if you read these old stories by Conan Doyle, they're almost, they're filmed almost um, verbatim from the text. The text really translates well into cinema for the detective genre. There's something about it, the language perhaps, um, the, the mental acuity of it that just really translates well. So I want to recommend 1887 for Study in Scarlet. So we have Poe 1841, Doyle 1887. The next one is The Big Sleep 1939 by Raymond Chandler. We have the introduction of the detective Philip Marlowe. And you probably have seen the Bacall, I believe Humphrey Bogart duo in this one. And it's wonderful. The movie's wonderful, but the book is really, really good. And we have a detective who is um, a man who's standing up against both sides and the criminal elements, the, the cops, the establishment, and walking his feet out basically to get to the solving of the murder. I don't want to give you more than that. Remember, I'm hoping that you go back and really read this. Another that you'd like is the postman always rings twice. Now, this is one of the ones where I was sitting watching a movie with my mom. And I want to say, gosh, who was the blonde lead? Maybe Jessica... And then there's another older one, maybe with Marilyn Monroe, but the plot is pretty simple. A love triangle goes wrong. One of the sides of the triangle has to be done with and dealing with trying to solve the mo you know, the motive and the method of the killers. I'm going to lightly mention Rebecca by uh, Daphne du Maire. I It's kind of like um, Gaslight. Woman marries a guy and his past life is still very much present, although it's dead. And trying to come to terms with this guy's history as a new wife and you know solving the mystery of uh even the even of the house but i don't want to give you more than that um another the maltese falcon this is a dash uh this is a hammock 1930 third person narrative the introduction of sam spade right so third person narrator you're getting how people look you're getting the action and the dialogue but you're not getting a lot of internalization. 
So think how well this translates into movie where the camera is that third person. 1930. And then we're going to come back to some more modern reads. Cemetery Road, uh, 2009 by Gar Anthony Haywood. He is the author of, the, uh, of a series of detective stories. But this one in particular deals with and you see this a lot in detective fiction coming home. Something bad happened. Our protagonist leaves, but home is a place where we all have to return at least once before we die, right? So in this story, returning home and trying to solve an old murder that's still unsolved. Next, and this is, uh, I think I said 2009. From 2008, Murder on the Download by Pamela Young. Pamela Young. Pamela S. Young. Google it. She also has a lot of work out there. But this one uh, is particularly good because it deals with like the city. It's kind of uh, Scott Toro-esque in that it deals with the whole machine. Right? This one mystery deals with the whole machine of cops. Uh, and because she's an African-American female, it has an African-American, you know, consciousness with it. Remember, just like Easy Rollins, the African-American detective is basically double conscious. They're trying to deal with white society, bring justice for black society, and bring a degree of awareness and wholeness and healing to, to both, in essence. And so... Um, this one would be a really good pickup, a, a good starting place. So I think every author that I've mentioned, um, and I'm looking at my pages, I'm scanning it, has tons of work, tons of work. But I think that these particular works that I'm recommending would be really good starting points if you're new to the genre or new to the author, okay? But don't let it stop you there. And then as we close, I see I'm at 26 minutes or so. I really want to talk about Peter Straub's work. Another detective fiction writer or mystery writer who crosses that border between literature and horror. You probably have heard of Straub because you've read Ghost Story, which is phenomenal. I've read it twice. I, I wish I could teach it. Four, ki four college kids murder a woman who comes back a generation later and gets her revenge. And if you watch the movie, the movie is a really good adaptation of the novel. And the woman, the actress who plays the, um, I guess in this sense, the antagonist, although she's a victim. Um, and we don't often see women get revenge the way she does. So th this is something kind of new too. I'm thinking about how often in a mystery or horror um, I guess if you splice it between cray cray revenge and but this is a little bit different because of the calculation of the revenge because of the mystery of the revenge I say that and because of the ghost like but I'm talking about a whole nother book anyway I want to recommend that you read Paul Straub's The Throat and mystery. 
the throat and mystery these are and I've read each more than once the characters are beautiful and in mystery in particular um, we get a long arcing detective we see him as a young boy all the way into an older sort of recluse Sherlockian uh, detective watching things from afar solving mysteries lonely aged and as I'm thinking about our detectives Miss Marple, Perot, Sherlock, Sam Spade, Philip Marlowe, huh. there seems to be a commonality of brokenness, lack of relationship, focus on the mystery and the solving of the crime. And thinking about my own character, she's in a relationship now, but detectives and feelings and cohesive togetherness meh don't always fly but uh, I want to honor Peter Straw because he has passed and his body of work is great and phenomenal um, and once you start you won't stop and that's true for all of these authors. Once you start, once you start, you won't stop. And you'll have plenty, plenty of material to escape into, to curl up on these cold winter nights we have yet to still get through as we go into spring and hit the red hot summer. Maybe we'll do some romance this summer. But guys, we're gonna need our escape. A lot of these works are in the public domain. You can find them as PDFs. Um, Sherlock just hit, uh, I think the last pieces have hit the public domain. So um, they're out there to be had, to be read. Of course, there's your local library. The library is a place that equalizes where all have opportunity to read. And you know this because you read. And then for those of you who have the want and the ways and the means, Go to your local small bookstore and buy these works, especially for those publishing currently, Tarot, Gar, um, Young, uh, because writers need the money. Writers could use the money. A lot of these folks are still doing their day jobs because writing is lucrative and nice when you can get it, but uh, often needs a support and a source of inspiration to be successful. I hope that in 2023 we've been well met and that you're working towards your dreams and you're not letting anything hold you back and you're battling the things that are not bringing you joy and you're conscious of the things that are going on in our world and that you're being a intentional good, a force of good and rational thinking and reasoning in a world that seems to have come slightly apart from its moorings and uh, you know the Chinese proverb may you live in interesting times well we certainly do and sometimes those interesting times can be challenging thank you for listening and have a good night